Welcome to The Woods. The Woods is a podcast for those leaving traditional religious beliefs in search of true connection and personal growth. You may be here because you've had to leave the village you've always known. Maybe you've stumbled upon us in search of something bigger, something deeper, something more real for you. The Woods is that place. It's here that we find ourselves. We wrestle with a scary world and realize it's okay when we don't have all the answers. I'm Lindsay Bacardo. And I'm Lauren Moffat. Together, we're setting up camp with a warm fire to gather and build a community with others who are also finding their way to the woods. We're here to strengthen three things, our connection to our own self, our connection to others, and a higher purpose. We're going to talk about how to build healthy relationships and trust yourself when your thoughts on God and the afterlife are changing. Maybe you're deconstructing your own traditional beliefs and you don't know where to turn to process and stay safe. So come sit with us by our campfire. The topics that are off limits in the village are welcome here in the woods. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Hello. Today, I am. Today we're talking about community. Yes, we are talking about community. Um, I'm so interested. We've shared a lot of stories together, like over the years. But <laughs> what does community look like when you were in the village, when you went to church three times a week and you had like... It's actually five, but that's okay. I'm so sorry, five. <laughs> What did community look like for you when you were in the in the village? So for me, I mean, community was really institutionalized. So mm. community was a product of our belief, meaning going to growing up as a fundamental Christian. Um, you know, you essentially were connected because you believed in God. And yep. then connection and and all of that was secondary. So there wasn't a lot of permission to not like somebody in the church because if oh, your sure. beliefs were the same... Your brothers and sisters in Christ. Exactly. This is your family. You will like them. Exactly. So there was no mm-hmm. like arguing, um, dislike. You never talked about not liking someone. You could never like not question. like someone. I wonder now that you're saying that too, if that's why there is um, like spiritual abuse or just so much toxicity in in uh, religious environments because you almost switch this part of your brain off about like, is this actually a good human? Somebody that I admire. I, I think about the people that I admired in the church. They actually weren't necessarily good human beings in society. Yeah. They just believed what I did and everybody said they were a leader. So I listened to them. But looking back, I'm like, oh, you were kind of deceitful. You were kind of self um you you made other people feel small. I watched you do it. Like, ugh, I can't believe that I looked up. It was like my perception was twisted. Oh, I got you. About how to see people. You know, it's interesting too when I I think when you and I were talking about this I have no idea if this statistic is true, but if I just examine my own reality and maybe for our listeners too, essentially like one out of four people we don't like for no reason. Like we don't know exactly why we don't like someone. There's just not chemistry, we'll call it. Yep. And I think about that there's so much judgment in the village about ourselves if we like or dislike someone. So if I don't like someone in the village, there's judgment against me and my belief in Jesus. Yeah. Versus that's true. In the woods, there isn't judgment around that. You're like, I just don't like them. Okay, I'm not really sure why. I just it just didn't click, and that's okay. That's okay. Well, that's what we were talking about too. Is like this on top of just community. There's also about like you're going to church for you five times a week. On top of that, we have this thing called small groups, <laughs> which <laughs> we have a lot we want to say, and I really want to hear what everybody else thinks. And so there's this weird thing where. 
in one sense, you get comfortable. You meet every Wednesday night. You see the same people. There's a sense of community. But on the other hand, you're like, these people don't even know me. The only thing we have common is that the church put us together because we live in, you know, three square miles of each other. We And we have, you know, there's like, you're married, you have two kids under the age of 10, and yeah. you live within two miles of each other. Yep. And I think to back up too, for people that don't know, so small group is essentially if you go to a church, they want to create a sense of belonging and connection in a smaller scale. So it's really, it's a marketing scheme, but we're going <laughs> to say... <laughs> <laughs> it's called guerrilla marketing. In the business world, we call guerrilla marketing. <laughs> no, um, but it's a way for someone to feel more connected and stay in the church. If they have a group of eight to ten people, they meet in, in typically in people's homes. Yeah, and you have a leader, and then you have like a, a host. So someone like will be you know the host family, and then someone will be actually be the leader of the group. And if they're married, it's typically the couple. And let's be honest. Only one out of every 50 people like to host other people every freaking week at their house. Exactly. It's like, I got to vacuum. I got to get food. It was so stressful. I remember like the people that would choose to host. It was like they get mad when people didn't come because they're like, I clean my house and nobody's here. I have coaching conversations with clients that are wanting to get out of hosting small groups. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really hard thing. Without looking like a jerk. Exactly. It's such a hard thing because it is such a big commitment. So anyway, they, they call it small groups, house church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to, to basically help people feel connected and on a smaller scale. And like it is helpful when you're going through life events, like when you're having a baby or when we get – when. Um, my ex-husband and I got married. Everybody celebrated with us. They all came to our wedding. There For was sure. a sense of like, this is my community. These are my people. I think um, it just doesn't, I think I've been disappointed like when this shit hits the fan mm-hmm. and life, it doesn't, like if I don't show up to small group, people kind of forget about me. Mm-hmm. I know when I went through the divorce, like I heard from one person in the small group, but it was like, I felt like, it just was shame. It felt shameful. I interpreted it as like uh, erased almost. Like, oh, for sure. Well, I think. So tell me a little bit when you when that happened. Yeah. Well, we had left our small group already because we were already in rough spots, and the small group had tried to intervene and help support both of us with what we were struggling with, and that didn't help which I appreciate that people were even willing to like go to Panera and sit down and talk to us individually. It just, we weren't in a spot where we really were going to reconcile. So, and then when people disappeared, I went to a whole new church. I was like, I got to switch up. Mm -hmm. I feel so much shame. I'm going to go to a new mega church. (laughs) But the thing is, as a musician, as a drummer, I am also like a commodity in the pastor's eyes. So I was usually playing on these huge worship teams and I had a lot of experience doing it. So I can kind of sit in and do pretty well just because I've had so many years. I've been doing it since I was 12 playing on worship teams. So I kind of know how it goes. And I started playing at a new church. And it was one thing that was awesome is that people just like loved me unconditionally. Some of them didn't even know I went through a divorce. It was Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. But I remember there were Sundays where I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get up there and play these like songs about joy when I am like dying inside. And I took a break and I remember I took like two months off and one of the pastors saw me in the foyer one Sunday and was like, Hey Lindsay, what have you been up to? I'm like, well, I'm really going through a hard time. Honestly, I'm processing divorce. I'm in recovery for it. Like Mm -hmm. 
well, sure miss seeing you up there. Hope to see you up there soon. <laughs> and he put his arm around me and I just felt like I want to like, ugh, like shrink away from you and get away. Like it just felt like, oh, I'm a commodity. I'm, you're objectifying me right now. Mm-hmm. You are losing somebody in your rotation. It was really a bummer. And I think he was trying to be kind. I do. I, I think he was saying like, I miss seeing you up there because we love seeing you do what you love. But I think I just grew a little cynical towards... Like, why do you really want me here? I feel like a commodity and I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and we've talked about like not throwing the baby out with the Mm bathwater. Like community is a really important human Mm -hmm. need. And sometimes in the church, it gets confusing in terms of like, what what do you really want from me here? Mm -hmm. Are you here because you like me or what's going on? It's interesting. I I am curious. I think it'd be uh, cool to see a parallel and also just know what you wanted or what you needed in that moment. Yeah, I think I need somebody to be like, oh, I had no idea you were going through divorce. Like, how can we come around you as a church? You give so much to us. You give us 15 hours a week as a drummer. It's 15 mm-hmm. to 20 hours a week when you play at a mega church. Your Saturday, your Sunday, and like your Wednesday or Thursday night are shot. Mm-hmm. I wish he would have said like, I, I, let's, what can we do for you, you know? Instead of it being, what can you keep doing for us? Why aren't you still doing for us what we expect? I even think like in the woods, someone might say to you, you know, um, I'm glad you're taking care of yourself. Yes. That's it. I'm glad you're taking care of us or yourself. And how can we support you? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's, that's a lot of time commitment mm-hmm. to give. And also I, I can imagine for you, it was a hard decision to even step away. It was. And I haven't really gone back since. Um, I know. Most of that's because... If I was with a woman, I think I wouldn't be allowed to play. Right. Um, and you are, so. And I am with you, which is amazing. So it's okay. <laughs> no, I just, it's kind of weird too to be like, I know the rules. I'd be breaking a rule. I'll just stay away. Like mm-hmm. this is going to get weird. And churches have asked me to play and I'm like, you don't know what you're saying right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it's just an interesting. You had a story though too about when you were pregnant and, and single momming it. And the church came around you and you had an experience with that in community? Yeah, I think. Um, so I was, I got pregnant at, um, out of wedlock, guys. I was out of wedlock. She was naughty. Yes. Naughty kitten. Um, and I was not going to get married to the guy, so barely new to the guy. Um, and I hid my pregnancy uh, until I was like seven months. And my mom had a few close friends at the church. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to love on me. And um, I think it was very kind gesture. And I think this is true of my experiences. I can't speak for our listeners and I can't speak for you. But there is the intention of being kind and supportive. And then when it actually happens, it felt more like pity. Mm. And um, like, we're doing this... You know, for you, because we feel bad for you. We know we should do this, Mm -hmm. and yet the genuineness wasn't there. So, um, it's it was a mixed bag, and at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where I'm there at the shower, and I'm and people are coming up to me, and um, it doesn't feel genuine, and and I can feel that in my gut, and and then I then I feel shame. So it's like this thing of like I'm feeling all this, but they're doing something nice. And it's the weirdest thing to to kind yeah. of untether. Um, that would be weird. Yeah. And I can recognize that now, but when I'm 20, 
two years old. Um, I, I just, it, it just didn't feel good. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where in that there, the intention again is kind and it didn't feel, it, it felt more like I'm doing this because I'm a good Christian. Cause I'm, this is for God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love the sinner. Yep. I'm Very gonna, much so. Um, she's do, made a mistake. She's made a mistake. We're going to, but the Lord will yeah, redeem it. The Lord has a purpose for this baby. Yeah. Instead of just being like, hey, bud, um, you know, excited that you're bringing life into this world. Pretty incredible that the body can do that. Here for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think of my therapist. I remember like sobbing in her office when I found out I was pregnant. And um, she looked at me and she was a Christian therapist and she was like, you are about ready to do the most amazing thing. You are the bravest, strongest woman. And whatever whatever you decide, you are that woman. And I just thought that's that that's was what such I a, a different way of seeing me. Mm-hmm. You know? I can totally see that. Yeah. So so when we talk about um this difference or this experience of community in the village and the woods. Yeah. I want to ask a question before we dive into that. Um, When we think, just feeling lonely, like I don't know about you, but I have felt really lonely and I'm curious, did you ever feel lonely or know that you were lonely in the village when you were in it? That's a good question. I think I would get, as a seven on the Enneagram, I would get kind of high because at we would, you know, Sunday morning would come and I would see my people, my my small group, and they'd give me a hug and I felt like, oh, I've got this whole group of people around me. Like these people love me. And not that they don't, not they're not they're not happy to see me or anything, but there wasn't a ton of depth there. And I don't think I knew how lonely I was until I started to self-sabotage. So I think um, hmm. you can have all these people around you that wish you the best that are like nice, healthy people. But if you don't really know each other and see each other and talk about real stuff, I'm like starving inside and I don't know it. I mean, we've sat here and read over my journals and over and over again, my journals are like, do not gratify the sins, the flat, the sins sin of the of flesh, the flesh. Uh, you know, and it's me saying how sad I am and upset I am and lonely I am. And and yet I'd be like, but I turn to you, Lord, with gratitude for, and I think of all the things I was grateful for. So I was kind of trained to like bypass my own experience. Well, yeah, because if you say those things, if you say like, I'm struggling with the sins of the flesh, then the people in your community are looking to pray for you. You know, they're they're checking to see like, have you read your Bible? What's your relationship like with God? Let's talk about that question for a minute. Which Lauren, question? Oh. How is your relationship with God? What does that even mean? <laughs> what do you mean with this entity, this creator entity? What would you say when people said that? How's hey, Lord? How's your relationship with the Lord? Well, I felt instant shame, and um, I'm like, what the fuck does this have to even do with what I'm going through right now? Yeah. So I think I don't even know what I said. Honestly, I probably just told them like, it's great, it's it's fine. So anyway, let me talk about what's really why I'm <laughs> yeah. Or I'd be like, I I have had a close moment with God in the last week. My quiet times are good. I've done six out of seven. I do think like I, I did would that. feel defensive. Yeah. Oh, I felt so defensive. like I've got to defend this. Because it's kind of on me. My relationship with God is 100 percent on me. God's not God's not really in the equation. It's our what's what do you think somebody's really asking you when they're asking how your relationship with God is? I think that they're um questioning your judgment. 
So I don't, oh. I think that there's, the question is, um, you're struggling because you're not in relationship with God. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you that question and instead of being present with you in the struggle, because that oh, I'm uncomfortable yeah. in the struggle. So it takes, it really does take more emotional intelligence to just be present with somebody and then, then to ask them about their relationship with this other being. Hell yeah, because your shit triggers my shit. So it's really hard to sit in my shit. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pr- pretty this up and then ask you about how's your relationship with God and, and kind of gaslight you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember my dad used to say, um, you know, I think a question is if you're struggling in life, when is the last time that you have cried with God? Oh my gosh. I just got tense and like tight in my chest when you said that. Yeah. That was a measure of basically your struggle. If you were struggling in life, it was a a direct correlation to how deep your relationship is with God. And that's, that is not my reality at all, Mm -hmm. at all. And that's assuming that there's judgment around struggle. Right. Yeah, like you shouldn't be struggling. Right. Did you ever feel lonely in the in the village? All the time. How did you know that you were feeling lonely? Well, for me, mine was sins of the flesh. I'm like every addiction in the book, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I didn't feel known. So, like, small groups are a great example. I can't tell you every single activity that I went to as a kid in high school and college and adult life, there's always prayer at the end. Yep. Right? And so um, I can remember feeling self-conscious and alone during prayer time because something that I was really struggling with, I felt like I can't really say this. I can't say that I'm really struggling with this. So then I didn't really feel known. Did you know you were struggling with stuff and just didn't say it? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's true. Like if I was struggling with, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So like struggling with, I mean, in high school, it was like um, my looks are not feeling like I was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, in college, many, many things about, I'm like, oh, no, my looks again. Okay. No. <laughs> and as adult, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but thinking about that and then going around the circle and being in community and it's like, I know that you're struggling with your marriage and we're not talking about that. Yeah. I know that I'm struggling with even like not feeling um, liked in this group and we're not talking about that. I I just remembered one. Oh, you did? That I was like shamed for that I shared. So one time I was in a group setting and I said, I'm struggling in my marriage and my husband at the time was there and I said, because I realize because of my dominant personality that sometimes I like push past him and I treat him like he's in the way and he's not in the way. And I can't imagine like that must feel awful. So I'm really working on slowing down, having more communication with him. I I hate that sometimes I run him over. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I I was being really authentic. That is, I mean, you know, I can be like, I can be uh, dominant like that. Oh yeah. I've worked on it a ton. And in an intimate relationship, that's easy to do. That's easy to just kind of with my intensity, it's easier to do. So I, I mind it. And I felt like that was um, a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. That's all about me. And and owning it. You yep. were completely owning it. I remember the leader came up to me after and said, I have a feeling that you shut your husband down. And that was really embarrassing for him, what you said. Wow. And I was my like, this like open. Literally, <laughs> it made a, a sound effect. <laughs> um, 
and I remember thinking like, oh, oh, in even in this moment when I'm when I'm confessing that I'm kind of being a little bit of an ass, I'm still running him over. Like you're creating a loop where I can't even confess when I feel like I'm being too big because then I'm being too big even in that moment. Do you know what I mean? It's it was so funny because in real time right now, when you're telling me that, I'm like, I would be so drawn to you. Like, oh my, that would that would inspire me to be more authentic. Like, you're really owning that and yeah. saying that. That's and yet that's the response. Yeah, and it was like that was too much. Like, I think I really put myself out there, and I was trying to have this authentic moment, and and in a healthy like boundary way, I am making it clear that it's about me. He's not actually in the way. He's living a normal life. And that's on me. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like, man, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to be vulnerable. And then I was told like, you know, you embarrassed him. Mm -hmm. Now he feels small. Which is a ton of projection. We have no idea if that's how he felt. Nobody asked him. I'm sure he felt. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he did because there was like just so many boundary issues and like emotional unhealth and projection. But I know, I don't think I actually got confirmation from him Mm -hmm. in that. It was like a third party saying you shouldn't have said that. And so that's when I feel hopeless. Like, well, how, like, imagine now if you and I say we were talking in, in a group of people, we went to a marriage uh, retreat or something or a, a dating retreat <laughs> or a marriage retreat, you know, whatever. <laughs> Will you marry me here on this podcast right now? Um, and I said something like that. Like I can run Lauren over so it's my strong personality. I can kind of shove her and uh, be a little, I have to be mindful of being more considerate and calm and, run at a pace that's reasonable. How would you feel? If uh, I, said very, that I would feel very hopeful. Like mm-hmm. the, because I'm I would be very aware that that is that is my experience of you. And so if you mm-hmm. were saying that, I'm like that's awesome that she is saying this publicly. Yeah. She's like there's something that happens when you do say that publicly. Yeah. Um and I would have mad respect for you. I would not that nothing about feeling embarrassed or small would come yeah, into my that's, mind. That's what's so wild to I me. I would feel more connected to you and safer. Yeah. Safe when you own, when people can own their shit, I feel safe with them. I would hope that. See, that's a, that is the type of relationship I'd want to be in where if I show my belly, especially to a group of people, that I get healthier quicker. Not that, that, not that I'm supposed to keep quiet, but that I'm willing to truly like in the Christian word confess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a pattern that I'm seeing that's not healthy and mm-hmm. have a group come around me and say, I assumed when I shared that, that the group would be like, that took balls to share. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'd have people kind of mm-hmm. speak into that and be encouraging <clears throat> instead of telling me to squash that and don't talk about it. So anytime I now, when I feel like I'm in a no fly zone with somebody to me, that is a sign of unhealth. Like if if I'm in any friendship or relationship where it's like, oh, can't talk about this. It's a no fly zone. To me, I'm like, there is a timer on this relationship. For sure. I mean, to have, what would you call a no fly zone? Um, well, like saying like, we can't talk about this to each other. We can't talk about this to other people. If there was an element of a relationship or like if, if I'm with somebody and I'm like, mm, they're not going to like that I'm with a woman. I'm like, this is like, a, there's a countdown on this relationship because I, I think there came a point for me in the village where for me to fully be myself meant 
I was going to have a lot of conversations that felt um, like they weren't right on Christ-like ideal, like ideal, like I wasn't going to be an ideal human anymore if I shared what I was really dealing with. Oh, I see. So for you to be able to show up as your full self, you entered into the no-fly zone when... A- Too much. Yeah. Exactly. All the time I'm like, oh, oh. Yep, can't talk about that. Can't talk about what divorce is really like. Can't talk about what mm. um, being in love with a woman's really like. Can't talk about um, business growth because that might sound too cocky. Mm. So that would can't be so about, lonely. So you got like nothing. Okay, what 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 are we left? What, what are, we are we talking about? Talking now? about? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really complicated and frustrating in conversation. Just to be like, bleep, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. you have to almost then pre-plan. All those things about like what I'm going to say, what I'm not going to say. Who can I say to this to? Yes, I totally get that. That is a freedom that I found um, when I jumped over the village wall and Mm -hmm. ran to the woods. It was like, I can talk about anything. And people (laughs) talk about even weirder stuff than I do. They do. And I love it. And I'm into it. I love it. So the woods isn't perfect and the village isn't perfect. Neither one is perfect. But there are different rules that you play by in the woods. Very much so. What are some of the rules in community? for community in the woods that you play by that didn't necessarily exist? Like how do we, how do we help others and ourselves have healthy relationships in the woods? What are some of the rules do you think? I think in the woods, there's this expectation that knowing yourself is so important. So Mm -hmm. like, um, knowing who you are, knowing what what you like, what you like, um, knowing what you don't like, um, knowing your edges, which just means like what frustrates you, what upsets you, um, what hurts you and the expectation that you're going to tell me if I have stepped into that realm, like that oh, that's feels so good. That feels safe and good in the woods. And one of your favorite phrases that I'm so into is this, this just didn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. You, we use that phrase all the time, or this does feel good to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you this, but I was going to tell you something that happened on LinkedIn today. Oh, intrigue. That is kind of woodsy. Oh, great. Um, we Like twice a day, that's an extreme, but yesterday for sure, two people reached out and asked if they could pick my brain. Mm. As a coach and as a speaker, they want to be coaches and speakers, which is awesome. Like it takes guts to reach out to somebody who's on that path too. And I've, I, said to this, I, I said to this one woman who seemed really eager, she said, I'd love to chat with you and pick your brain about building a business here in Indianapolis. And I said, can I offer a suggestion? And she said, absolutely. She wrote right back. She's like on it. I said, I get asked to have my brain picked like twice a day and it doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. As a business owner, that feels like you don't know what you want and you want my time, which is my most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. Here's what I would need from you. Mm -hmm. I would need to know exactly who you are and what you're looking to do in two sentences. And I need a specific request. Mm -hmm of what you're looking for or how I may be able to help you. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. And I want you to win. I want you to do well. And um, this is how you can do it. And she was like, thank you so much. This is super helpful. I'll get back to you. I, you know, it means a lot that you were willing to even take the time to explain that to me. Mm-hmm. But like when I was in the village, if somebody asked me that, I'd be like, oh, now I have to help this person because I'm a Christian and I have to be nice and I have to play by their rules. And in the woods, what I get to do is show up and say, those are your rules. Here are my rules. Mm-hmm. We have to come to an agreement if we're going to engage. And I think that's so powerful. I know you and I negotiate that in our relationship all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how I want to play. That's how you want to play. We're going to find a middle ground. There is no trump card of like, 
well, this is what the Bible says, so we're going to play it that way. And we both have to like uh, pretend that we're cool with it. Yeah, you really are figuring out your body, like a, like a map in a sense of like, this doesn't feel good to me. Why doesn't it feel good to me? What would feel good to me? Mm-hmm. Then I have to have the conversation to tell them what I need so that we can move forward. That's a lot of work. And in, in the woods. In the woods. And you do the work it in the woods. It is more work in a sense, I would say. It Relationships is. are more work in the woods because you're showing up and it really means something more than just, hey, we both say that we believe these things about the afterlife and the supernatural. So yeah, it's more work on the front end, mm-hmm. but man, I mean, self-betrayal costs a ton. So, yep. you know, the it comes out sideways in the village. In, in you know, If you're the, not honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we both have experienced. So tell exactly. me, tell me a friendship or relationship that you've made in the woods that helped you see like that the rules are different out here in the wild. Well, I think that um, I think of you. Mm. <laughs> well, I was thinking of two things, and I'll, I'll go with you because since you're sitting in front of me, because I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> this will earn me points. No, I'm just kidding. I hate that phrase. I know you do. Cut that out. <laughs> um, so I, I think for me, when I think about friendship in the woods, this is the most vulnerable thing. I'm going to even say more than marriage, and I know we're dating, etc. Yeah. yeah, and. Our relationship started, though, as a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember, you know, because of where I was in, in life and wanting and my own journey of knowing who I am and what I want and who I'm looking for and not being in the church like I was. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for friendships in a rogue way. Like, yeah, we do things in the business world. So do I like this person? And I probably met like 100 people in the business world. And you were the first person... Uh, for me that I felt so much connection around and mm-hmm. so much um, alignment and just happiness. And you're so funny. And and I just felt like, oh my God, I like this person so much. I got to be cool, you know? And <laughs> you are cool. <laughs> and I think it's just this piece of, um, that was the first time where I wanted to be friends with you because of who you were. And I knew you wanted to be friends with me because of who I was. There was yes. nothing else, which is incredibly loose. And right? vulnerable. So vulnerable. It's like the most you're vulnerable here thing. just because you like me, not because you're on a mission from God or you're supposed to spend time with me or you feel obligated. You're only here if you want to be. Yeah. And then it was like, well, I've got to be myself. I mean, so then it's this piece of like, I can't, I'm not going to fake anything. I have to be myself which that feels scary because then if you don't like me, you really don't like me, you know? There's nothing else. Yeah. We had, I'm just smiling because last year we tried to do a podcast and we were like stumbling all over ourselves and we have hours of us processing, feeling Mm -hmm. nervous to do a podcast together because like I wanted you to like me so much that I wouldn't show up. I would perform on the podcast. Mm -hmm. We had to talk about that. We have like Mm -hmm. the sweetest recordings of our friendship being like, you know, I went away to get a drink and I, I just wanted to say it came to me that maybe I'm just trying to impress you too much. This is hard to do. <laughs> That's hard to be honest about that. Yeah. In real time. So we would talk. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. So I think about that relationship and I think about, you know, other friendships too, where if it's raw and vulnerable, that mm-hmm. is my one re- like requiem with relationship. What does requiem mean? It means that it's my one prerequisite. Oh, prerequisite. Okay. Yeah. So I think of other people in the business community with me 
um, that were incredibly, like if they're raw and vulnerable and just say how they feel, I have mad respect for that. I draw close to that. When people can own their stuff, you you don't know certainty about any other thing but that. So I know even in our relationship, if I'm going to draw close to you and you're willing to like say how you feel or to own your stuff, that to me is there's so much um, depth there. Yeah, and we might not even, we don't have to agree about so many other things if we just give each other space to feel what we feel. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not really something that, in my experiences, when I've shared how I felt or something I was truly learning, people would be like, don't say that. That's too much. Or like I shared earlier, like now you're making other people uncomfortable because you're telling the truth. So I'm thinking about... I was thinking about you when you oh. were you know, friendship in the woods because yeah, obviously you had similar experiences for me jumping over that village wall. Yes, and how did you know um, who was going to be there for you? I do think it was really vulnerable, and I would I would see too. I remember one time I was in a lot of pain. I was going through a breakup, and um, one of my buddies found out. I told her we were all supposed to get together. I was like, hey, I got to change my plans. I just got my butt dumped. I'm trying to like figure out life. She showed up at my house with a bottle of wine Mm. and she had no agenda. She's just like, let's just sit and hang. Mm -hmm. And she didn't even say that. She wasn't like, I am here to support you and to be your friend (laughs) and to point you back to Christ. You know, it was just like, Hey, let's just hang and chat. And, and because she was able to be present with no agenda, she's not trying to educate me. She's not trying to remind me of the goodness of God. She's not trying to teach me something like, what do you think God is teaching you through this? Nothing heady and weird. Just being fully bodily present meant the world to me. Like I still remember how that felt Mm -hmm. to have her do that. And that's so rare that we just do that for each other. And so, well, it's so brave for somebody too, to be so present with you Mm -hmm. um, to not know what's what even that person feels like or how they can help. There is this feeling of like, I'm just going to show up and be present. That's it. I'm going to offer that. Yep. And we do that. I mean, I think that's one of my favorite things about our relationship Mm -hmm. is like, if one of us is having a hard day, it's like, what can I do? Typically there is nothing you can actually do, but if you can be fully present with somebody and see them, it it's really healing. That's true. And I didn't learn that till um, I was in the village because before, if I was to show up and just see someone at the same time, and I'm sure our listeners would would know this feeling too. It's like um, you would have this you'd have this program running in the back of your mind as somebody was suffering or hurting. Like, is this godly? How did they get here? Was this a sin? Did they do this to themselves? Were they like you would try to figure out who's to blame or what whose fault it is? And overthink just being present with somebody. It's like you couldn't just, I couldn't just be there. It'd be like, oh, there's, I've got to think about how I'm going to, how I feel about your experience or judge your experience, the morality of your experience. Well, because exactly. And the same vulnerability that you are, the person being the sharer of what's going on, there's the same level of vulnerability for someone to just be present. Because you're basically saying that my presence is enough. Yeah, that's it. I have nothing else to I offer you. I cannot perform for you. I have nothing except who I am. Right. So I'm going to trust that this is that this is enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to sit here in the muck of it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So Beautiful. Love it. 
So we have experienced much more depth in the woods just because there was nothing left except us. There was no other <laughs> structure around us. I'm curious, how can we, what are some resources that you would say, you know, for somebody listening who's like, man, I'm out in the woods now. I feel really lonely. I don't know where to turn. I would say definitely going to our Facebook page. Yeah, I think too, um, it's and joining our community. Exactly. And the, just the process of thinking about who, like, what do I like to do? Who am I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about relationships uh, in the past that have been really helpful to me where I feel supported and um, heard, mm-hmm. who are, you know, where are those people? What are they like? If I haven't experienced that, then, you know, just that simple step sometimes of taking um, a, a step of vulnerability Mm-hmm. about how you feel in the moment and then watching the other person to see if they'll match you. Yep. That begins that process. If that's a high value for you of just being known and being vulnerable, um, that's a, a way to to begin to see if that person's safe. Mm-hmm. And then also just looking at what do I like to do? And um, what's the type of friend that has is, is important to me? Yep. And then looking for that person versus looking for the institution first and then the person. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I think about, I always talk about this book, but Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. You love that book. I it's love that book. It's book. so easy. It's so good. It's like so obvious. He's like, smile when you meet someone. And I got to tell you, that makes a huge difference. Well, I'm happy to see you is what the smile says. I know. You're so good with that with people. I really practice that. You do. And you always acknowledge something that you think is amazing about somebody, even like an Uber driver. I mean, I really try. I really try to do it because I think too often we go through life and we don't feel seen or heard and it takes three seconds to go, what's something that's helpful? Yeah. And I should, I should back up and say like, not that they're an Uber driver, but it's the fact that you have a very limited interaction with an Uber driver and yes. they gave incredible customer service and you were like on it. Like, yeah. thank you for doing blah, 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 blah. That meant the world to me. Yeah. Something so simple. Yep. That's exactly, I think that's so easy to do mm-hmm. and it does make a difference. And that book too just gave me a roadmap for how to make friends with people in the the wild, um, how to help people feel known and seen and heard. And then I think the other thing that we notice in the wilderness too, or in the woods is you might have to, we've had to go through a lot of people to find our people a lot because of people. in the village, it was like, well, these are go- going to be my people. I will see them every Wednesday night for the fall. So I am in it. I'm going to stay here. This is. I think that's so good to say. It's probably a hundred to one, like in the woods. When I yes. yes. So I think just knowing that 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 it does take time and energy and investment. And when you find that one, that one Mm -hmm. is going to be with you in the rubble of your life. Um, They're going to be with you in the happiness of your life and really love you. Yes. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. We want to hear what you think too. So jump on our Facebook page, The Woods. Yeah, where'd you find your buddy? That's what I want to know. Like, where where do people find oh. friends in the woods? Like, what's worked for them? Yeah, that's what we want to know from you. Yeah. What what? Not techniques, but kind of. Yeah. What tactics and strategies have you employed to find friends? <laughs> <laughs> to find your community. <laughs> For yeah. real, yeah. And what community has been good for you? Yeah, because I, I mean, it's kind of funny, but. We eat at this restaurant chain that we love here in Indianapolis. Shout out to Martha Hoover. Mm-hmm. She's created a culture through Potashu, all of her restaurants. And we all eat at those. And we even that, like we know the servers. We know all the servers at so several nice. locations. And so mm-hmm. it's like 
we've joked, but like Sunday morning, there's one that we always go to. Mm -hmm. We sit outside, even mm -hmm. if it's winter, we sit under heaters, um, petite shoe. And we always were like, this is church for us. We should just tell all of our friends to meet us on Sundays at petite shoe. We can all catch up. We know the servers. We're looking for a pattern. I think having a rhythm in your life is important. I think so. Too. And I know restaurant is an interesting example, but in general, if there's people that you want in your life without a service or a church service that you go to, it's helpful to create a pattern with mm, them. It's like, hey, every Monday morning we co-work or yeah, get good. whatever it is. You work out together. You had mentioned this earlier when we were talking about this off mic, but like find things that you love to do. If you mm -hmm. like, I know a lot of people find relationships at like CrossFit gyms because mm -hmm. you're like there for two hours a day. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. find people you love there. That can be your family. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing, I know we got to wrap up, but the main thing I would say is that you definitely need a family. You definitely need relationships. You, you and get to build your own. Now you get to build them based on what you really like and who you are, which yep. is amazing. It is amazing. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. Join us on Facebook. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.